Well, it's that time again. Time for another Faith at Work sermon podcast. As the writer of Ecclesiastes said, there's a time for almost everything. I'm Pastor Jim Melvin, and this week I'm going to talk about two times that Ecclesiastes mentions. A time to tear down and a time to build up. I was steered onto this topic by all the discussion and dissension caused by the destruction or removal of statues and monuments across America, those dedicated to controversial historical figures. Some people rejoice at these topplings as signs of moral progress, while others see them as tragic examples of what has come to be known as the cancel culture. You know, Jesus predicted one of the most famous destructions or tearing downs of the ancient world, the raising of the Jerusalem temple by the Romans in 70 AD. A full generation after those same Romans had struck Jesus up on a cross. The passage reads, As Jesus was going out of the temple complex, one of his disciples said to him, Teacher, look, what massive stones, what impressive buildings. Jesus said to him, Do you see those great buildings? Not one stone will be left here on another that will not be thrown down. History proved Jesus to be right. The great Jerusalem temple, itself a second iteration of the symbol of Judaism that had been leveled six centuries before, was destroyed, never to be physically rebuilt. Not only was the temple a place of worship, for ancient Jews it was the dwelling place of God, the very embodiment of their faith and culture. The Romans sought to strip them of their sacred and historical identity. Now, from Jesus' perspective, his fellow Jews had come to put too much faith in the material manifestations of their religion and in their political power and status in the world. He reminds them, as he reminds us, that everything around us is subject to death and decay. He compared his own body to the temple. He would die. His body would be torn down. Only God could rebuild it in the resurrection. A time to tear down. A time to build back up. As an historical aside, although the Jerusalem temple was never rebuilt, a vibrant new Judaism was resurrected from its ruins. The writings and thought of the great Jewish rabbis and sages built back a resilient edifice of faith that has survived millennia of dispersions and attempted genocides, not the least of which was the Nazi Holocaust. The new spiritual temple is still under new and continual construction and improvement. Well, woe to those who refuse to hear this message. As Mary sings in her song of blessing while she is waiting for her child to be born, the Lord's mercy is from generation to generation on those who fear him. He has done a mighty deed with his arm. He has scattered the proud 
because of the thoughts of their hearts. He has toppled down the mighty from their thrones and exalted the lowly. He has satisfied the hungry with good things and sent the rich away empty. He has helped his servant Israel, mindful of his mercy, just as he spoke to our ancestors, to Abraham and his descendants forever. Yes, he toppled the money from their thrones. The Lord tears down in order to build back better. The Lord dismantles corrupt power structures to replace them with those who embody justice and righteousness. The great romantic poet Percy Bysshe Shelley wrote the definitive narrative poem expressing the folly of trying to hold on to temporal and material things and power. The poem is about an ancient fictional king named Ozymandias. Shelley writes, I met a traveler from an antique land who said, Two vast and trunkless legs of stone stand in the desert. Near them on the stand, half sand, half sunk, a shattered visage lies whose frown and wrinkled lip and sneer of cold command tell that its sculptor well those passions read, which yet survive stamped on these lifeless things. The hand that mocked them and the heart that fed. And on the pedestal these words appear. My name is Ozymandias. King of kings, look on my works, ye mighty, and despair. Nothing beside remains. Round the decay of that colossal wreck, boundless and bare, the lone and level sands stretch far away. Poor old pitiable Ozymandias, once king of kings, Nothing is left of the kingdom he once surveyed, and the monument erected in his honor now mocks his glory as it lies crumbling in the sand. Soon all trace of Ozymandias will be erased from the earth as the remnants of that once grand statue melt back into the surrounding desert. A time to tear down, a time to build up. In our own American history, great stone monuments have been erected across our vast country, memorializing people and events. We are, it seems, a monumental people. Back in the days when my body was capable of running seamlessly endless distances, a friend of mine and I traveled to Washington, D.C. to embark on a monumental run. We started early in the morning on the Capitol steps and headed down the mall toward the Washington Monument. As we continued on our circuit, we stopped at the Lincoln and Jefferson Memorials, the Vietnam and Korean War Memorials, the Martin Luther King and the Franklin Delano, Delano Roosevelt Memorial, as well as thousands of smaller white stones that memorialized individual fallen soldiers, and in their midst, the grave of John F. Kennedy in Arlington Memorial Cemetery. We ran 22 miles that day, and both came away with a dose of American history 
that has lasted both of us a lifetime. We are glad those monuments had been built up. But there's a problem, or let me say a complication, with writing American history in stone, for it is a complex and multi-stranded history. The story of our people cannot be described by a straight line through time and space. Rather, the present is a confluence of disparate and winding streams, flowing and twisting, merging and diverging. Even the swollen river of the now fill is filled with eddies and ever-changing channels. Thus, each of us experience our own version of the past that will shape our future. The one current of our history that undeniably and indelibly determined what and who America would be is the institution of slavery. The saber of the American Civil War delivered an almost fatal wound to our young country, almost severing us in two. That war produced heroes of two sorts, North and South, Blue and Gray, Yankee and Rebel, and disparate monuments were erected in their honor, which survived decades of painful reconstruction, finally the civil rights movements of the 50s and 60s. But classes over issues of racial justice, such as the killing of George Floyd, have greatly accelerated the desecration, demolition, and sometimes legal removal of statues and memorials to Confederate heroes. The controversies and sometimes violence surrounding the demolition of the Confederate past confronts us with a problem. Whose history do we want remembered? Whose monuments do we want preserved? And whose do we want reduced to Ozymandian rubble? There's a time to tear down, and there's a time to build up. But who discerns and decides what time it is now? There's more at stake than just the decoration of a few city parks. In our decisions, we are shaping history. The ancient Romans were aware of this. There was a practice in ancient Rome called Domnasio Memoriae, literally, the condemnation of memory. This referred to the removal of a person's name and visage from public records. These purges were an official practice, decreed by the emperor or ratified by the senate. This was a punishment meted out to lowly traitors and to former emperors alike. Statues of the condemned individuals were removed, beheaded, or creatively reworked to represent somebody else. Their names were erased, chiseled out of stone, removed from inscriptions, and ink blotted over on papyrus scrolls. In painting, their faces were scrubbed away. I suppose most of us are unknown to us today. As I said, American history, just like the history of any country whose armies have marched across the world stage, is complicated. But it's not indecipherable.
Martin Luther King Jr. said, The arc of history is long, but it bends toward justice. Another way of putting it is that the story of creation is long, but it bends toward the kingdom of God. And we can apply that vision of history to our dictum, there's a time to tear down and a time to build up. It's time to tear down the monuments to injustice, hatred, and racism. And I don't just mean the stone monuments. It's time to build up new monuments that show how history can bend toward justice, love, and mutual respect. It's best if the dismantling of the racist past is not accomplished by angry mobs or dispassionate intellectuals, but by everyday Americans like you and me who are willing to talk, who are willing to learn from and repent of our transgressions of the past to erect something new that aspires who we want to be. I have confidence that that's who we are as Americans. It's what we've always done. We create our future. We don't relive our past. I don't think our goal should be like the Romans who sought to erase or forget the elements or of people of, of their past who we now disown. Instead of forgetting them, we can remember them in their historical context, in their place. Instead of honoring them, we can seek to understand them, understand their flaws, learn from them how we can avoid repeating the sins of the past. But we have to talk about it. In one southern community which I visited recently, the community as a whole decided to move the statue of a local Confederate general from in front of the city hall to a Confederate graveyard behind a local church, where he stands now amid the tombstone of fallen Confederate soldiers. There were only there were no angry mobs. There was only community conversation. And in that cemetery, signage recognizes the dead without honoring the violence of the war. As this community did, I would counsel moderation and compassion in dealing with other people's identities. Quite frankly, I'm less concerned by the statues than by the attitudes and the beliefs that they continue to represent. You know, when we tear down monuments, like I remember when Saddam Hussein's statue was torn down in Iraq. Oh, that's a pretty easy uh, demolition to agree with. It's not that easy today. Symbols of other aspects of our history, such as the Spanish conquerors of America and the violence inflicted on indigenous peoples during America's westward expansion. It will be difficult to square the progress and the realization, realization of the American dream with the price paid by the people who occupied the, land, occupied the land before us. But we can build up a new future without inflicting harm on more people. To the contrary, a future in which all will benefit. That's what we want to build up. Going forward, we must choose our heroes carefully and realize they're never forever. Maybe we should build fewer monuments to great heroes 
but instead to the people who really are America. Tearing down is sometimes necessary, but building up is divine. Let me close by reading the words inscribed on one of those memorials my friend and I ran by in Washington, D.C. that day. I think you'll recognize it. Four score and seven years ago, our fathers brought forth upon this continent a new nation, conceived in liberty and dedicated to the proposition that all men are created equal. Now we are engaged in a great civil war, testing whether that nation or any nation so conceived and so dedicated can long endure. We are met here on a great battlefield of that war. We are now have come to dedicate a portion of it as the final resting place for those who gave their lives that the nation might live. It is altogether fitting and proper that we should do this. But in a larger sense, we cannot dedicate. We cannot consecrate. We cannot hallow this ground. The brave men, living and dead, who struggled here, have consecrated it far above our poor power to add or detract. The world will little note nor long remember what we say here, but can never forget what they did here. It is for us, the living, rather to be dedicated here to the unfinished work which they have thus far so nobly carried on. It is rather for us to be here dedicated to the great task remaining before us, that from these honored dead we take increased devotion to that cause for which they here gave the last full measure of devotion that we here highly resolve that these dead shall not have died in vain, that this nation shall have a new birth of freedom, and that this government of the people, by the people, and for the people, shall not perish from this earth. Thank you for joining me today. May God continue to bless you and build you up.